Death, Dishonor and Demons oh, Welcome to another episode of that MVM cast Marvel vs. Marvel It's a podcast where someone who has never read a Marvel comic book before in their life rewatches a Marvel movie or TV show and then quizzes somebody who is a veritable Marvel expert someone who was taught to read with Marvel comics. It's the yin and the yang of the fan experience. Welcome to the show. My name is Rob Holden. I'm a comedian, writer, and I am also the Marvel expert half of the yin yang. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And joining me as ever, he's the yang to my yin. He is powered by ignorance. He is the gumbo kid. It's Mr. Will Preston. Hello. I can't wait for this podcast to go on another year. We'll have another five nicknames for me. <laughs> Keep growing. Um, and, uh, you know, people like, people like, you know, it's the informality of a nickname. People, it means, you know, they've taken you to, your, to their bosom. But I, um, I, I like it when people take me to their bosom. You like a good bosom. Uh, who doesn't love a good bosom? <laughs> who doesn't love a good bosom? This episode, ladies and gentlemen and Wills, um, is our, one of our more deeper dives. Yes. We've been doing these as Disney roll out their um, their Marvel TV shows on Disney+. Plus. It's a way of us to take a, a more focused look at these characters Um and it, during times when you guys have got loads more questions and loads more interest, and Will has got loads more questions and interest in the characters, but without us doing the TV show, because our little Marvel journey um, has only just reached Civil War, so we're a long way off yeah. getting there with these. And I think you can enjoy these deeper dives without there being any spoilers whatsoever for the TV show. Um, I'm pretty pretty confident on that, which is uh, a great way to learn more of the comic book history um, and, and adventures and stories uh, around these characters like Loki today. Um, and like we did with Falcon Winter Soldier, Wonder and Vision. Um, it's a great way to, to... And we focus the spotlight on things that we know are going on in the in the TV show. But we don't have any answers in terms of spoilers. So it's a cool way of doing that. And I know, Will, every time we get these, uh, these TV shows... Uh, I mean, less Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think. But certainly Loki... And WandaVision, you've been chomping at the bit with questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've had a, not as many... I think these things... I'll never have as many questions as WandaVision. Because that the whole thing was shrouded in mystery. With little well, little things here and there. You never know what's next. Um, but it's, it's a great... I've been really impressed with all of them. Mm. Um, and in this episode, ladies and gentlemen, we take a deep... Deep dive into the life and history of Loki. We explore... The most evil things he has ever done. We go to the very ends of the universe to unravel the origins of the TVA. We explore just how the timekeepers have been interfering with the Avengers for how long they've been doing that. And we take what might be our first steps into phase four of the MCU. That is all to come on this episode. Okay, Rob, take us on a deeper dive into Loki. It's so great doing these ones because, of course, we we have looked at the character a couple of times with the Thor movies and with the Avengers, but 
Loki's never really the star of the show, is he? Not um, really. So it's it's great to be able to kind of uh, dig in deep into the character and I guess to give a sense of people that um that the I think the big takeaway is I, there are very few characters that are so different um from the movie to the comic books. Mm. And Loki is a big is a big big different uh in 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 terms of how the characters are presented. Thor and Loki, to begin with, uh, do not feel like Marvel characters. <laughs> they have a very pre-war feel to them. Yeah. Be- because um, they're based in this kind of fantasy as guardian, almost Shakespearean kind of world. And um, and Thor's got this secret identity, which is so weird in Marvel. It's so <laughs> yeah. it's so Superman. It's bizarre. Yeah, you know, what, what was what's the name again? Dr. Donald Blake. Donald Blake. Oh, Don. And he's got, you know, he's got his own Lois Lane and Jane Foster, and it's all, she's in love with Thor, but not with Don Blake, and all of that. It's so Superman, and so... But also, the important thing is that every single Asgardian is an idiot. Every single person in the Thor comics to begin with is an idiot. Um, And Loki, to begin with, is really pretty pathetic. (laughs) But so is everyone in Asgard. Um, He's called the god of mischief in 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 the in the original 60s and you know he turns himself into a snake to scare people yeah and he disguises himself as other gods to spread rumors about thor and stuff he's really jealous of thor and you know he he just he's a slimy he's, git he's a slimy yeah git. he's a pest hmm Rather than a villain, because at, in the, at this stage in the sixties, quite off, quite a lot of things are very light hearted. Um, mm-hmm. But then, as time goes on, he he becomes this the god of evil. Is what Marvel uh, ch- sort of talk about him in? You know, which we get later on. Thor's um, Thor first appears in a comic book called Journey into Mystery. Okay, uh, he he turns up in issue eighty three, and Loki appears two issues later in eighty five. So it's really early on where they, to begin with, they don't do much as Guardian stuff, and they also don't do this whole thing of, wait, is this guy actually Thor, <laughs> or or is he a guy who gets the powers of Thor? Yeah, and they don't have a conclusive answer on that for ages. For the first two issues, it's Donald Blake, and he touches the hammer, and he gets the powers of Thor, but he's Donald Blake, and then Loki turns up, and all the other Asgardians are like, no, yeah. Yeah, you know, my brother Thor. Um, and so it gets a bit weird. When you first see Loki, he's trapped inside a tree. Um, he, Odin uh, has trapped him inside a tree for some other crime he's committed and proclaimed that Loki <laughs> will not be freed until an Asgardian sheds a tear for Loki, thinking this will never happen because he is such a pest. Um, and he's so despised in Asgard. Who amongst them would shed a tear for him? Oh, yeah. So so Loki uses his magic on a nearby tree and makes a leaf fall into the eye of Heimdall. Oh. Causing Heimdall to cry. Dirty trick. Yeah, water from his eye. And so, boom, 
off he goes. He's free. And he bops down to Earth to uh, try and, you know, mess with Thor. Um, and, and finds Thor... But not Thor, because there's this Donald Blake guy. And anyway, he he, he uses his illusions and stuff to um, <laughs> to challenge this guy who doesn't remember being Thor to a fight. And he um, he manages to separate Thor from Mjolnir. Um, and uh, he doesn't see that Thor turns back into Donald. It's a whole it's a whole <laughs> mix up of Thor turning in and out of being Thor. Oh um, God. It is it is really uh, a, a wacky thing. Then he gets beaten by a mannequin dummy. So, um, right, that was a bit of a left turn. Yeah, <laughs> it's so boys' own adventure pre-war, like not a Marvel comic. It's so bizarre. It sounds um, like those old Batman and Superman comics when they were a bit. Silly. Yes, yeah, very much yeah. the fifties and sixties Batman Superman. It's very much in that vein. And whilst things like the Fantastic Four kind of have some of that humour, um, they're still more action and Marvel driven. This mm. almost feels like they're not in the same part of the same world, really, or the same universe. Um, uh, Loki is not allowed to go to Earth. Heimdall guards uh, the oh, what's the the Rainbow Bridge called? What's his name? Oh, oh no, Mordius the Hammer. You didn't, you didn't, no. Anyway, the Rainbow Bridge. The Rainbow um, Bridge. That's very manly. In 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 the comic books, it's literally a rainbow bridge, mm. um, like from that stage of Mario Kart. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. I not the actual Norse mythology where it actually was a rainbow bridge that took you to Valhalla. No, remember that no. bit in Mario Kart where you used to yeah. fall off all the time and you could never win. I'll be honest. I think what I'm doing is just parroting your joke back to you from a previous Thor episode, and you're going like, "Hey, hey, how's that feel, Will?" And I'm like, I like it. I like it when you yeah, talk about. Yeah, like, let's I talk like, about like, video like, games uh, more. But yeah, I let, know what you mean. So Heimdall guards the Rainbow Bridge to make sure no one breaks into Asgard and no one, uh, you know, like Loki, escapes Asgard. Um, uh, but Loki gets past him by turning himself into a little snake, and like a little grass snake and wriggling past his feet. <laughs> and, and Loki then, you know, goes and challenges Thor to this giant battle, and he knows now that Thor needs the hammer or he turns back into Donald Blake and is powerless. Mm. So... He separates Thor from the hammer. He puts a force field over it, oh. so so he can't touch the hammer. This <laughs> I, at this stage, this I, I, there's so much dense Thor stuff. If you haven't listened to the other episodes. <laughs> I'm getting the idea. During but... this during this period of time, if Thor isn't holding on to his hammer, mm. he transforms back into a mere mortal called Donald Blake and has no powers. And also, he's got a gammy leg. A gammy, oh yeah, he has a gammy leg. He's got a gammy he? leg. Yeah, yeah. So he has to. He only has sixty seconds in which he can. You know, if he loses the hammer for sixty seconds, bang, struck by lightning, turn back into a nobody. Uh, so that happens. He turns back into powerless Donald Blake. How on earth is he ever going to defeat Loki? And Loki's cackling and he's hanging around the force field and he's like, "Yeah, I've got Mjolnir. I've defeated him. When he comes back, I'm going to mess him up because he's just a normal dude with a gammy leg." <laughs> and then he sees, sort of in the distance, <laughs> Thor, and he's like, "Oh, Thor's back! How has he defeated my magics?" And he takes the force field down from the hammer, goes over to get into a tussle with Thor, 
and it turns out to be a mannequin dummy <laughs> that Donald that Donald Blake is holding near a bush, and he's like uh, throwing his voice with ventriloquism. Come no. and get me, Loki. I refuse. Loki- <laughs> I refuse. Refuse to listen to this. I refuse so to take this in. That's like the second time he challenges Thor, and that's how he loses. Um, he then uh, there's a a good time. I, I remember reading this as a kid. I got to grow up with sixties comics through a weird set of circumstances. Um, he he we get evil Thor. Yay! Like, you know, you know Superman two when no Superman three when you get evil Superman. I know, but I was, was going to say what you mean the the end of Zack the Zack Snyder cut as well. No. Because uh, yeah. no one who's who's seen that. Uh, who's the, seen that? <laughs> the, the Superman, the, the the Christopher Reeve, you get split into two, and yeah. there's evil Superman. Like in the sixties, we had evil Thor, and what happened is <laughs> Loki had this plan. It's his plan to do this. He tricks Thor into throwing his hammer away. Mm. Thor's hammer always returns to his hand when he calls it. Yeah. At the last second, Loki is like, "Look at me here." Look at me! Don't look at your no. hammer! Look at look at me! And Thor's like, what am I looking at? Turns his head, and his own hammer bonks him on the back of the head. <laughs> and the bonk on the back of the head reverses his personality. No! So now he becomes evil like Loki, and he's like, yeah, my brother's evil like I am. Let's go and uh, wreck the UN building. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a whole thing. <laughs> they go they go yeah. to the UN to get the the UN building shows shows up so much in 1960s Marvel comics. It's it's wild. It's like a new it must be a new thing and everyone was like, "Oh wow, the UN building." Well, um, yeah, yeah, I mean around the 60s I reckon it was still fairly new. I mean, it was made after the first sorry, second world war. Yeah, of course, yeah. And the fact that it's in New York and that's yeah, where all the yeah. Marvel stuff comes from. Um yeah, so they go there to accept surrender from all the peoples of the world. Uh, how, how do you think? How do you think uh, the day gets saved? How do you think they? they, they the day ex- gets saved. How do they get saved? Uh, Odin comes down and slaps them, and he's like, "Right, I've had a, I've, I've had up to here, you two. I've had a call from the UN saying you're causing a ruckus. You have embarrassed me again, boys." And I mean, that's exactly right. But very specifically, how do we get good Thor back? Uh, we bonk him again. Yeah, we bonk him again. Just Thor, Odin, sorry, bonks him on the head again. It goes back to being normal Thor. Uh, Why doesn't this come up in the films? <laughs> this this would make this be brilliant in the films. It's like, oh yeah, well, his other superpower is uh, he, he flips his loyalties when he gets hit on the head. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> oh, oh no, he didn't. You did not do that. Bonk on the head. Oh, you can do that dramatic voiceover. <laughs> One man gets bonked on the head. Who controls the thunder now? Um, my brother Loki uh, is now my friend. <laughs> thanks to a bonk on the head. I got bonked on the head again. However his accent, whatever his accent is in that film. Yeah. Um, Loki is also um, indirectly responsible for creating the Avengers, and so he's always kind of tied into the Avengers. Yes. He is trying to mess around with Thor um, by creating an illusion of the Hulk to try and trick Thor and the Hulk into having a fight uh, when Rick Jones and the Rick Team Jones. Brigade... 
Drick Jones and the Team Brigade. The Team Brigade are like, we're going to use our shortwave radios to save the day. And uh, they... <laughs> all I think of is the Super Friends <laughs> from The Simpsons. We are the Super Friends. So he sends out these shortwave radio transmissions to try and gather the Fantastic Four, the only super team that exists, to come and help the Hulk. But actually what happens is uh, Loki uses his magic to like mess with the shortwave radio. So instead of going to the Fantastic Four, the signals go to Thor, but then also Ant-Man, Wasp, and Iron Man. Um, and they all come together to help the Hulk, and who, of course, as we know at this time, the Hulk is at the circus pretending to be a robot clown. Oh, God, what a callback. <laughs> I remember this. This came up Ma- in the quiz episode as well. Makano the juggler. Makano um, the... Oh, God. <laughs> I don't... I still, to this day, don't know how that draws less attention than being the Hulk. Like, would would all of the press of America not be at that circus? Wait, you've got a robot juggling clown that talks and eats and lives a life. Yeah, Meccano, haven't haven't you all got one? <laughs> uh, but that's where the hook is hiding. Um, that is crazy. He he juggles an elephant, a seal, and a horse. <laughs> 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 um, and and yeah, um, that time Loki gets defeated. By being tricked, oh, he 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 says you can't come and capture me because if you come too close to me, then he snaps his fingers and he goes, "I'm now radioactive." Oh God! <laughs> Stand back! I'll give you cancer. Stop. Um, Floor's now lava. So they. <laughs> basically, they manoeuvre him to stand on a trapdoor. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Ant-Man's ants pull a lever by working together, the power of teamwork and ants. They pull a lever, and Loki drops into a lead-lined tank that just happened to be there. Of course. Um, of course. And that's the insanity that leads to the creation of the Avengers. So, look... <laughs> Early Loki is just an idiot. He is absolutely... He is dumb beyond belief. Um, But then so is everyone in Asgard. And quite frankly, a lot of people in the Marvel Universe. He's constantly screwing with Thor. His big thing is to mess up his relationship with Jane and his human identity. He is always causing Odin to punish Thor. Like, he's very good at that. And he's constantly trying to steal the throne of Asgard. Constantly being punished for it. But Odin Odin and Loki seem locked into this cycle Mm. of Loki commits a crime, Odin punishes him, and then a couple of issues later, he's listening to Loki and believing him again. Like, "Ah, (laughs) I know I turned you into a tree last week, but what's that you say? You're innocent and your brother's evil. It sounds plausible to me. Um and he has lots of other clashes with um, with uh, his heroes, but it's kind of down to like being mainly because they're associated with his brother um, quite a lot. He does in the nineteen I want to say eighties. I want to say the eighties. Yeah, the nineteen eighties. He's involved in a story arc called the Acts of Vengeance, and the mm. Acts of Vengeance got a really cool name. It's um, very popular with fans. It's not much of a story. Um, 
a mysterious person. I'm gonna I'm gonna break the illusion now. It's Loki in disguise. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Gathers a group of supervillains together, uh, and it's it's the Red Skull, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, Magneto, the Kingpin, and the Wizard. The Wizard should not be in that list. <laughs> the Wizard. <laughs> the Wizard is the fantastic. It's like a Fantastic Four villain. But you've already got Doctor Doom. I don't think you need the wizard. Um, I, I, I'm going to just say, look, look, I know we deal with uh, obscure Marvel characters and really silly things, but come on, the wizard. Not, not, not even some kind of crazy name like, I don't know, Jeremy the, the wizard. Just the wizard. Oh, it gets, it gets okay, uh, he has no magical powers. He's not a wizard. <laughs> okay, that's, you've sold me on that. You've sold yeah. me, I like this. He's... He's a super genius inventor, anyway. He's uh, a whiz he's, kid. Yeah, he's the. I think it's like the Wizard of Waverly Place. Not what Waverly. No, that's a Disney thing. Um, what was? What was? Is it Edison or Tesla was known as the Wizard of something something? That's kind of the idea behind it, anyway. Right, I get you. Um, anyway. Loki gets together Doctor Doom, the Kingpin, Magneto, Mandarin, the Red Skull, and due to an admin error, the Wizard. Um, and it's like, let's all gang up together and destroy and kill all our enemies. But in a classic Strangers on a Train moment, it's oh. like, let's kill each other's enemies because yeah. they're not used to us. Um, and he, he Loki engineers this jailbreak at the supervillain prison, the vault, and all these supervillains come out, and he's like, right, if if you're an if you're a Spider Man villain, go and beat up the Avengers. If you're an Avengers villain, go and beat up the Fantastic Four. And they 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 are hoping that the unfamiliarity will will work on their side. So it's not really much of a story, but fans loved it because they liked that idea. They liked seeing like Spider-Man fight an Avengers villain. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, there's <laughs> he is responsible for a really fun moment when this team are working together, and when once Magneto has kind of got all he wants to get out of what's going on, he has been paired up with the Red Skull. <laughs> paired up Mag- for his system mm. the buddy Mag- system Mag- Magneto is a holocaust survivor <laughs> and the, oh, this is I just, yeah, yeah, the yes, original you- Nazi Red Skull um, and no. Magneto buries him alive <laughs> in a crypt underground to, to die and then leaves and it's a truly glorious moment. It's like I, I, it's, that's a truly glorious moment for bad HR practices. Let's pair, <laughs> let's pair the Holocaust think, survivor with the actual Nazi. Loki didn't think this through. He um, did not. That is that is. Oh, you'd think he'd do basic research. Oh god, it's just so bad. But this is kind of around the, the around the, the the kind of area of of Loki becoming more and more evil. Mm. as the as the years go by so that's sort of the early history of loki and and the character that we see in in the mcu bears a bit more resemblance to the modern era of storytelling as the loki stories get more sophisticated and i know you've got lots of questions about that will and we've got lots more loki goodness to dig and dive into but we've also got 
the Marvel versus Marvel mail bag with us. Uh, guys reaching out with their appreciation and love and thoughts and questions and theories. Uh, what have you got for us this week, Will? Well, I've got a couple of letters here in the mailbag. I've got one from one of our biggest supporters, Cody, who has a uh, Cody. Touch- Cody. He's he's in touch with plenty to say. Hey guys, really enjoyed the Hulk episodes we got. It gave me a new appreciation for the character. I've always liked the Hulk based in the movies, even I'm the just ang- put even a pause the angry in- one to a certain extent. I'm going to put a pause in there. I'd like appreciation again because it was a really unique way of reading it. I I, I mispronounced it. What? Well, how did I say it? I know. I it was it was like three words in one. It was brilliant. A, a piece appreciation. A piece appreci- what- <laughs> I, I I stumbled on a polysyllabic word, Rob. It happens. Okay. No, it's just it's fun. I like it. I like I like interesting sounds. I, I like interesting sounds too, but I don't make further ones after I hear them. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah, fair enough. Rob, fair Will, enough. Will's getting a hoity-toity. Let's anyway. go back to Cody. Let's What's go Cody back to Cody. Let's go back appreciation to Appreciation of. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of Merged Hulk is awesome and seems really well told. Also, a four-hour episode of Civil War. Heck yeah! I love this mm. movie. Sadly, I didn't see it in the theatres. Can't remember why I didn't, but I caught up before the Infinity War movie and it blew me away. I wasn't ready for everything it gave. I love the relationships that the MCU builds. They've been working on it since the Avengers, but it seems to all come together here for me. Tony and Steve's friendship is so great in everything, but from this movie onward is just fantastic. Steve and Natasha's friendship is amazing, carrying over from Winter Soldier. Just to name a few, I could go on and on. The stealth origins that Marvel starts doing, I guess they really started in Age of Ultron, but Spider-Man and Black Panther are introduced amazingly in this movie, in my opinion. Thanks again, guys, for everything you put out. Thank you, Cody. He's been down for a very long time. Yeah. Big supporter. He's good. We love you, Cody. Excellent. And we got one from King Canuck, Lord of all he surveys, who sent us a royal communication. First of his name. <laughs> First of his name. <laughs> hey, boys, it's your favourite Twitter annoyance, King Canuck. I meant to write a proper letter ahead of the mainline Civil War episode, but I was glad when I realised the more in-depth breakdown of the comic was coming later on. So I figured I send this in now regardless. Fundamentally, I think the problem with the comic is that Tony's side never go- so Tony side goes way too far for any kind of moral authority <laughs> they claim to have over Steve. We, we yeah. you, well, you, you've got to tune in uh, to the bonus episode for this debate, really. But Will has got a lot to say on it. It's real fun. I think I had more to say on the actual episode. We we had we had interesting debate on the episode of over whose side I'm on. But then we were talking, we, we delved a bit more to the comic side. I think I fell in line a bit more on the comic side. Oh, it, which is pretty clear cut, as Kinnick says. It's pretty, it's pretty clear cut. Really, pretty, really clear cut, really. Anyway, on top of that, there's the weird characterization, such as Maria Hill ordering S.H.I.E.L.D. agents to arrest Cap before the Registration Act is even signed, meaning she was arresting him for something that was not yet law. Also, as to the solution for this situation, I was quite amused by Will's metahuman apartheid approach. <laughs> I hate this. But here's something I think he's for, he get, that gets forgotten. It isn't even the government proper that the heroes would answer to. They'd answer to S.H.I.E.L.D., who already keeps plenty of superhero secrets. 
Never mm. would say Tony is right on this one, but I feel that for as much of a bastard as Nick Fury can be on occasion, he's far more likely to keep those identities secure than, say, Thunderbolt Ross, known Hulk Hunter. Keep up the good work. Well, as you discover in our in-depth Civil War bonus episode, mm. is Nick Fury anywhere to be seen, Will? Uh... No, not really. No, and that's one no. of the big problems. Yes. And also, S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point, for some reason, Marvel morphed S.H.I.E.L.D. into, like, just directly working for the president. Whereas yeah. previously, yeah. there'd always been almost like a world or a UN-based thing or a outside, at least outside of, like, direct government agency. Now, you've got the president appointing people uh, as S.H.I.E.L.D. directors. So it's, a, it's not quite as cut and dry as we all like Nick Fury. He'd do a good job of it. And and you look, we talk about the Patreon because uh, that is what keeps us going. It's where the real G's live. We dropped our Civil War episode, our, 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 our early access to the Civil War for uh, for our blockbuster on Patreon. George Bingham got in touch almost immediately to say, <laughs> "I listened to this episode and enjoyed it so much." that I decided to buy and read all of the Civil War series. It was one of the best. Um, great to see that we inspire that, George. Uh, thank you for listening. Mikey W, damn boys, at four plus hours, how can I not do the right thing? And then Mikey W, our subscriber... He went right on. As soon as that early access to the four-hour episode dropped, he upped his pledge to 20 quid. Oh! <laughs> Mikey W. And, of course, our wonderful, wonderful friend, uh, Pete B. Peter B. They are doing the right thing. They are the top, top contributors, the top pledges the top supporters of this podcast we want to send our big love and shout outs to them um we've had some more communa cards uh because <laughs> we've not just put the early access to uh to the new episodes goes on to patreon you get obscure marvel a mini bonus episode which arrives for all subscribers of all levels even a three pound level as a thank you those are little 20 25 minute episodes that drop the first of every month um we've got one in the in the can as we'll like to say uh, yeah. for july uh, that's a fun one we had fun recording that recently didn't we yeah, we had lots of fun, lots of fun. <laughs> uh, I think that's, I don't know, I think that's the most we've laughed in any Obscure Marvel episode. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Obscure Marvel <laughs> is when me and Will uh, look at one of the most ridiculous Marvel characters of all time, someone Will has never heard about before, and we get his very honest and frank reaction uh, straight away uh, to these ridiculous, ridiculous characters. Those mini episodes are up for everyone on Patreon the first of every month. And then we didn't just do a four hour. Civil War, Captain America Civil War episode. We dropped this week, or last week, depending when you listen to this, a over two-hour spin-off bonus war special show on Patreon. You want to talk about full length? That is some full girth right there. <laughs> uh, we dive into the Marvel comic book Civil War to pull apart the differences, to pull apart everything that happens. The the full I mean the build up to the war took us 
a good chunk to get through. We have to go back to Nick Fury's Secret War, and we tell people that we've also got things in the archive. You want to get to how you know understand how Marvel and the characters got to Civil War. We've got it in the archives on Patreon. We've got our House of M episode, which covers Avengers Disassembled, New Avengers, and House of M. Big. Big building blocks to the Civil War. You get access to all our bonus episodes for a £10 contribution. You can spend a month, if you want, listening to everything that we have put together that is up there. Hours and hours and hours of bonus content. Um, Carl with a K dropped us a line. Four-hour Civil War show. (laughs) Two-hour bonus Civil War episode. Can't put it off any longer. I've got to do the right thing and join in on Patreon. We salute you, Carl K. Welcome to the front line. Uh, Tom S., I never thought... (laughs) I forgot about this one. I never thought I'd ever subscribe to you on Patreon. Your main show episodes are so long anyway, I never thought I'd have room for any more. (laughs) But damn it, the Civil War episode... Yeah, like he's eating them. But damn it, the Civil War episode broke me. Four hours, and I still need more. So here I go, subscribing to Patreon so I can hear even more about Cap V Iron Man. Thank you, Tom S. You won't be let down by that two-hour bonus Civil War episode. Alicia or Alicia, I've been listening since January. I've heard all your bonus episodes, and I've got to say... The bonus Civil War is your best show yet. Don't ever stop. We probably won't, except for holidays. Um, yeah, holidays. I forgot to do a lot of housekeeping. You can always get in touch with us by dropping us a, a, an email to marvelversusmarvel at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially a nice, a nice written uh, email. You can send us a bit of shorter love if you want to by uh, following and tweeting us at marvelversus, and it just stops after the S. No Marvel. No second Marvel. <laughs> At Marvel versus Stop. Because one of the Marvels has been beaten in said fight. Well, huh? <laughs> well, no, because it's too long for Twitter. You can't have a Twitter handle it's that true, long. It's true. I, I, I was being funny. Oh, is that what it was? Uh, and you can also <laughs> join in the again. good fight. <laughs> join the good fight on Patreon, where we have all our bonus content patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel here's what i'll say the the bonus content we put out because we love and care about this being great we want this to be the best we want patreon to be the best experience which is why we put out two episodes a month um and 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 why we put so much work into the full length bonus episodes Mm. but you know it's not just about you guys getting something really it's about us getting something we know you love the episodes you know we know you love it when we put i mean this is long form podcasting folks we know you love it when it's a four hour civil war episode right we know you love it when we cover howard the duck like no one else in the entire podcast world ever has or ever will again we know you love it when we put the building blocks together from the x-men animated series to the X-Men movie getting made, from the X-Men movie getting made, to the MCU coming about. We know you love hearing about the television distribution involved in <laughs> Iron Man, the animated series, right? We put all the put the, all the dots together because it's all connected. This is about the 
Marvel journey definitively. And we put so much into this. Yeah. Hours and hours of research, writing, collaborating, putting our ideas together, recording and editing, right? And it's not just about you getting something. It's got to be about us getting something. We need your support. Don't just consume, contribute. Give a little back. Head to patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel. We've taken care of business. We've taken a look at the early days of this character, Loki, before he was such a sophisticated character that we would see in the MCU. Now it's time in our deeper dive to take a look at how Loki has been presented in the MCU. And we're going to focus in on uh, his first couple of appearances, which is obviously the Thor movie and Avengers. That's going to give us a shape and a taste of the character that is you're, you're all, I'm assuming, currently enjoying in the Loki Disney Plus series. So that's as far as we're going to go with this. But Will is the man to take us there. I mean, it's kind of a press play, isn't it? Although it's not the whole movie. We're just going to be fo- like laser-focused on what the God of Mischief does. We're going to press play and fast-forward at the same time. <laughs> you, what I'm saying is you've got the controls, Willie P. You take it away. I do. Okay, let's start from the beginning. In present-day Asgard, Odin's son prepares to ascend to the throne, but is interrupted when frost giants attempt to retrieve the casket. Against Odin's orders, Thor travels to Jotunheim. Is it Jotunheim or Jotunheim? Jotunheim. Jotunheim. To confront yeah, not, Mal- not many hard J's. Not so it's not like Mjolnir, it's Mjolnir. That sounds like a word... Jotunheim. Jotunheim. There we go. Accompanied by his brother, Loki. Childhood friend, Sif. Loki. Loki. No, I'm just messing with you. (laughs) I I just think it'd be fun if I did this for every Asgardian ward. It's actually Tahor, not Thor. It's Tuhor. That sounds like a prostitute in Yorkshire. Oh, where's (laughs) Tahor? Quick as a flash. Quick as a flash. Very good. Um... (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, you're not getting your money's worth then, are you? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, the Warriors... <laughs> oh, God, that's a... <laughs> great, ba- surprise. <laughs> great banter, great banter. Uh, <laughs> Chartford friend Sif and the Warriors free. Volstag, Fandral and Hogan. They just sound like places in Skyrim. <laughs> I, I always, I'm always disappointed when Hogan isn't Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you uh, one thing. Although, although, who's playing Hulk Hogan in the biopic movie oh. that Netflix are doing? Yeah, I can't, it's yeah. Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth. I can't wait until they do the weird sex tape. Brilliant! It's going to be a <laughs> brilliant. Go- I, I will actually watch that. I will watch that. I'm not a big wrestling fan, but I will watch that. Oh, it'll be two hours of lies Hogan has told over the years that now Hollywood think are true. It's going to be great. I'm going to definitely watch that. So, Hulk Hogan is fighting ice giants. That's what I remember. And a battle ensues until Odin intervenes to save the... Odin intervenes to save the Asgardians, destroying the fragile truce between the two races. For Thor's arrogance, Odin strips his son of his godly power and exiles him to Earth as a mortal, accompanied by his hammer... 
Mon year. <laughs> I, I tripped over. I'm tripping over words. I, I've had a hot, I've had a long day, and, I, and my brain's a bit fried. So I'm going to be tripping over okay. certain words, <laughs> even once I've said before. Now protected by an enchantment that allows only the worthy to wield it. Mm. Meanwhile, Loki discovers that he is Laufey's biological son, adopted by Odin after the war ended. Loki confronts Odin, who wearily falls into the deep Odin sleep to recover his strength. Loki- How convenient! How convenient! Father, have you been lying to me my whole life? Oh, I, I feel faint. I, I must go for a lie down. No one disturb me or I might die. Basically, <laughs> uh, the Odin sleep is the Asgardian equivalent of going out for cigarettes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be right back, son. Just uh, you, you wait there with your mother, and I'll, I'll be back and answer all your questions. All your questions about my awkward affairs. So <laughs> uh, Loki takes the throne in Odin's steed and offers Laufey the chance to kill Odin and retrieve the casket. Sif and the warriors free, unhappy with Loki's rule, attempt to return Thor from exile, convincing Heimdall. Gatekeeper of the Bifrost, the means. Bifrost, there it is. There we go, the Rainbow Bridge to Valhalla. Bifrost, the means of travelling between worlds to allow them passage to Earth. Aware of their plan, Loki sends the Destroyer, a seemingly indestructible automaton, to pursue them and kill Thor. The Warriors thine fall, but the Destroyer attacks and defeats them, prompting Thor to offer himself instead. Struck by the Destroyer and near death, Thor proves himself worthy by his sacrifice to wield Mjolnir. The hammer- that was quick. That was quick. <laughs> it's literally two afternoons and he's two- worthy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, he, 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 he jumped in front of a bullet. Well, I suppose only good people do that. <laughs> Not, if you didn't have Natalie Portman, like, there's that whole, you know, trope, isn't it, of you know, men only level up in order to uh, win a woman over. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 good that men do to score a bit. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Where was I? Where was I? He's uh, now wielding Mjolnir. Mjolnir. He's worthy. The, the hammer returns to him, restoring his powers and enabling him to defeat the Destroyer. Kissing Foster goodbye and vowing to return, he leaves his fellow as guardians to confront Loki. Yes. In Asgard, Loki betrays and kills Laufey, revealing his true plan to use Laufey's attempt on Odin's life as an excuse to destroy Jotunheim with the Bifrost Bridge, thus proving himself worthy to his adoptive father. Thor arrives and fights Loki before destroying the Bifrost Bridge to stop Loki's plan, stranding himself in Asgard. I think that was something that we did talk about um, in our in our in one of our earliest episodes all yes. about Thor, is that Loki... Um, I kind of unlike in the comic books, he's not trying to steal the throne of Asgard. Mm. He's trying to win his dad's affection and love. Yeah, he's trying. He's trying to be Odin's favorite son. Like it. it um, we we talked. Uh, I think um, in our bonus episode about how the 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 end goal doesn't matter if your methods of getting there are twisted and sort of selfish and and, and immoral um but in the comic books like comic book marvel 616 loki would Mm. never be doing that he does not 
care about Odin's approval or love or he's already like such a broken person by the time we see him in the comic books whether he's uh, a dim-witted foolish idiot as guardian like all of them or when he the more sophisticated tellings when he becomes just more and more evil the, he would never take the he would certainly take the start of the action and claim the throne definitely but i was really surprised by that sort of third act reveal that actually loki wasn't going to rule over asgard forever and all that he he was mm. ruling asgard and then when his dad wakes up he was going to be like i yeah. stopped the war i stopped all your enemies wasn't that cool of me do you, do you want to go fishing <laughs> I just, I, he had the opportunity right there, but validation was way more important to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems to be. Yeah. And I think that's our first glimpse at a very sympathetic Loki. Yeah. One which we don't have in the comic books. There's not a sympathetic Loki in the comics. He, he's, he seems well, like, in this, in this bit, almost, as my wife would say, a lost little boy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which which to a certain extent I think almost all heroes are. They are lost um, little all, boys. All, all superheroes, they have this there's there's the horrible death in the family or there's the death of the loved one and they all become yeah. Yeah. Except for Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is just 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 created to be awesome. Okay, where was I? Uh, Odin awakens and prevents the brothers from falling into the abyss created in the wake of the bridge's destruction. But Loki apparently dies by suicide by allowing himself to fall when Odin rejects his pleas for approval. However, Dr. Selvig, an ally of Thor's on Earth, is taken to a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility where Nick Fury opens a briefcase and asks him to study a mysterious cube-shaped object, the Tesseract, which Fury says may hold untold power. All the, all the while, an invisible Loki prompts Selvig to agree, and he does. So that was that was the end. That was the first. How he closed out yeah. Thor. We saw, and then we see at the end, um, some big major manipulations on a very cosmic scale. Yeah, um, we, which which major manipulations were you thinking of exactly? Manipulating the literally the last thing you said. Manipulating Selvig to, you know. Go along with the cosmic, not the cosmic cube, the tesseract, and and oh, I thought you meant he getting, was doing major manipulations on a grander scale. Even though these will lead to a grander scale. No, he's 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 manipulating the the the, the events surrounding the tesseract. The event, yes, he's he's putting that all into play. Which, considering we just had, you know, it does make you question maybe the the thing that happened a minute ago. Hmm. Uh, it's it's like they went. We want a very sympathetic. Loki for Thor, and then we want the bad guy for the Avengers. It's a ah. bit of a turn, you know. It's a bit of a turnaround that we don't really see too much of an explanation for. I, I don't think we ever see much of an explanation for it, really. If you want a lazy uh, one size fits all excuse, you could call it character development. Yeah, I, I, you know, we're left to assume that it's you know he, he the, the rejection of Loki twisted him, I suppose, but. That would that would that would that would really make sense if his father's rejection pushed him a bit further. Like that was the last lingering thing that would have made him mm. a good person. His father's yeah. foundation. He went, oh no, I'm going to be a going to be a nasty man now. Well, let's see then, Will, what happens yeah. in the Avengers when we next see him when he when he takes when he takes kind of like a very central role in this huge threat to the Earth and 
And like like in the comic books, as we said, it is Loki who is the reason the Avengers come together, and that's reflected in the movie. Okay, yeah, let's let's get on with that, shall we? So, in the Avengers, following these events, Loki encounters the other, the leader of an extraterrestrial race known as the Chitauri. In exchange for retrieving the Tesseract, the other promises Loki an army with which he can subjugate Earth. During the evacuation of a shield facility housing the Tesseract, the object suddenly activates and opens a wormhole, allowing Loki to reach Earth. Loki takes the Tesseract and uses his scepter to enslave Selvig and a few other agents, including Clint Barton, to aid in his getaway. That has never been explained, has it, really? What, you mean he's taking out him taking over Thingy? No, Hawkeye. no. The, 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 the Tesseract opens a wormhole and sucks Loki... Through to where the tesseract is. Maybe he's he did the initial mind manipulation of Selvig uh, through a proxy, or maybe he was doing it. I don't know. Maybe he he's, was going um, for a distance. Yeah, he's casting himself. I, I believe on the astral plane and doing it. Yeah, but that would make sense. The test. Why does the tesseract bring Loki? How, like, what what's going on there, and where's that the, power coming from? Can the tesseract? The tesseract can transport people, right? Can transport things. Um, which one is the Tesseract? The Cosmic the spa- Cube. Yeah, but sorry, what what gem is it? The space, the space got- cube. Yeah, I guess I guess so. But why? Like, like who? Like how? Why? What? Why did the Tesseract all of a sudden teleport Loki to its location? Um, this feels like a really awkward job interview I had where I couldn't answer the question. And I just sat there I- going, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to. I don't know why I'm pulling it apart now, and I didn't back then when we <laughs> why did the Avengers. Why did you but... pull it apart in the, rec- the j- jotted down time we did? We handled this film. I don't know. I just it's all of a sudden struck me. Oh yeah, why did the Tesseract summon Loki from the beyond or wherever he was? Yeah, this, anyway, th- this feels like we're eating a load of fried chicken, and you come back to a bone. Oh, there's still meat on that bone. There's still meat. there is. Still Let's do a deeper dive into the. No, okay. Let's no, carry we on. Won't, we won't. We won't. Okay, later in Stuttgart, Baron St- Spartan steals Iridium uh, needed to stabilise the Tesseract's power, while Loki causes a distraction, leading to a brief conf- confrontation with Rogers, Stark and Romanoff that ends with Loki's surrender. While Loki gets escorted to S.H.I.E.L.D., his adoptive brother Thor arrives and frees him, hoping to convince him to abandon his plan and return to Asgard. After a confrontation with Stark and Rogers, Thor agrees to take Loki to S.H.I.E.L.D.'s flying aircraft carrier, the Helicarrier. Upon arrival, Loki gets imprisoned while Banner and Stark attempt to locate the Tesseract. So he does that whole thing of, of like, he gets caught, but I keep thinking he does that thing where he does, It was all part of my plan to get caught! Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Isn't it? I think it. I think it was part of his plan to get caught. He he wants to start manipulating the uh, Avengers. The Avengers. He? Yeah, but th- this was this was a, a popular twist that was used in all films between 2008 <laughs> and 2013. <laughs> that five year gap where they had to do the storyline. Ah, but it was his plan to get caught. The Joker did yeah. it. Um. What's his face in the James Bond film did it? Loki did it. Always that plan. And it's a plan that should never, ever go past the whiteboard stage because there's so many things wrong 
with 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 that kind of with that kind of <laughs> ah yes they ha- they have to my plan is to get caught uh, yes but specifically if they only handcuff me that's my plan <laughs> as long as they don't have an asgardian power dampener i'm going to be fine <laughs> yeah i'm fine with being caught on purpose anyway yeah so uh that he does his manipulation, and shortly after, uh, Barton and Loki's other possessed agents attack the helicarrier. Loki kills Coulson and escapes. He uses the Tesseract and a wormhole generator Selvig built to open a wormhole above Stark Tower in New York City to the Tatari fleet in space, launching his invasion. After the Battle of New York is over, Hulk beats Loki into submission, where he is promptly arrested and taken into custody to stand trial for his crimes in Asgard. However, in the lobby of Stark Tower, there's an unknown disturbance with the case holding the Tesseract, which ends up in Loki's possession. Be careful. No, stop, 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 stop. sorry, sorry. (laughs) That's that's jumping ahead. Ah. I wanted to to, to link them together. Ah. No. Ah. You have have to respect our timeline. We're not there. (laughs) To respect the... What an episode to talk about respecting the timeline. (laughs) Oh, masterful. we, we, We have some wonderful listeners who are going along with the MCU and listening along with us as they go, so we just... They may not listen to this episode, but we just... I tell you... We can... Sorry. Yeah. I was about to say, it's a good thing we we already included spoiler warnings in this episode. We didn't. We said there are no spoilers in this episode. Wow. Everybody now hates us. That well, I mean, I'm on. I'll be honest, Will. I'm on their side. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that at all. Uh, okay, okay. So Loki goes to stand trial in Asgard. Yes, that's the, that's the story. End. The happy ending. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens again. <laughs> Well, thank you, Will, for taking us through that. Uh, sorry for that so wobble at the end. That that ably taking us through the introduction of Loki into the MCU and his first couple of portrayals and appearances. And I think now uh, we're doing this. This 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 episode is is uh, really uh, unique and out of order in some of its. Some of our deeper dives are. I now want to go into the mind of the Muggle. Um, like it after after Thor and Loki, the seeing them for the first times. Whenever you saw not sort of Thor and Loki, sorry, Thor and the Avengers, mm. or maybe maybe it changed. What what did you think about Loki as a character that early on? Before you know, we'd gone. You know, obviously me me and you now have done Thor two, and we've we've mm. uh, progressed through. Um, but but how did you feel about those that, that character? Right at the end of phase one of 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 the MCU, I think uh, with Thor, when I saw him in Thor, he was he was a very typical sleazy, not villain, false hero. Because you know you have that, you, you know, you, right? You, you did film studies. You you you're one of us. Mm. You ever do that thing where they say like, there's only there's 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 the eight roles in any story, and like yeah. these are the only roles, and one of them's the false hero. I think Loki isn't. There's never the antagonist. He's always the false hero. He's or or. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's um, the archetype he fits under. I mean, I don't know how that fits in with 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 the Avengers and like a full scale invasion and destruction of New York. Because oh, I I I think he's less less of a. Mm, he's not. He's not the antagonist there though. He's just enabling. Isn't the, he? He's enabling the Tatari, the antagonists. 
But it's Loki who opens the portal. It's okay. Loki who calls them down. It's Loki okay. who brainwashes the other guys to create a he's, situation where it can happen, and he steals the Tesseract. And he's I mean, t- he is the antagonist in that he, one. He, okay, he he gets upgraded to the antagonist <laughs> uh, again. Character development, character development. He becomes the antagonist. But uh, I, I thought the first film he was very um, he he didn't really stand out. I think in the Avengers he stood out. I think that mainly has to do with Josh Whedon's writing, maybe. You know, he really gave the characters the script in that film gave the characters a lot more. Uh, yeah, I mean, he boost. he he's also the villain that the the Avengers are constantly trying to. Uh, you stop. Josh Josh Whedon's the villain. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it seems that way. Yeah, <laughs> but Lo- Loki takes center stage in the Avengers. He's the reason the Avengers come together. Yeah, he's the reason that they um, have this huge threat to fight. Whereas in in Thor. We're introduced to quite a lot of wacky Asgardian characters, aren't we? Yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of and, world building going on. And whilst he is the um, the antagonist, it's Odin who casts him out. It's the destroyer he has to fight to become worthy. And mm. um, and it seems like the big evil is actually uh, the king of the frost giants rather than Loki. Mm. And the frost giants themselves. So I can really do see your one. I can understand why it doesn't stand out because there's an awful lot going on. But two, you really, really hit the nail on the head. He is he is the the false hero in in Loki rather than in Thor. In Thor, yeah. Um, can I? And then can I? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you carry on. No, no, I was done. I was done. Oh, you were done. Great. Um, I I was going to ask if we could if I could talk a bit about Tom Hiddleston because this is the By only means. only time. Out of all Tom Hiddleston things I've seen, this is the only time where I go, ah, he's actually quite good at this. Because I'm not... I'm no, not I'm fan. not either. I'm not a fan of Tom Hiddleston. I don't... Oh, Have you seen... Phil Phil Wang, brilliant, uh, brilliant comedian yes. Phil Wang, has got this uh, little bit he did on a uh, British uh, comedy show called Room 101, which was... <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hiddleston is terrible at things, but has lived such a life of privilege. No one has ever told him he's not. He's terrible at things. It's it's him singing. It's awful. Him doing impressions. They're god awful. And he's just got this smug little look on his face the whole time he does him. Yeah, yeah. I find him um, yeah. very off putting. I, I know everyone out. I mean, and this is a really bad thing to say because everyone listening to this will love Tom Hiddleston. He has a legion of fans and. Um, and all that sort of stuff. But, My mum was uh, telling me about um, a, a visitor the other weekend. She said, oh, I, I used to work with someone who was obsessed with Tom Hiddleston. They had Tom Hiddleston pictures up and everything. And I, yeah, and I was just like, Ugh. He's a real heartthrob. He's a real, real heartthrob. And I think he's, I think he's very good at Loki. Oh, yeah. he's, he's, I, I think it's not a stop clock stops, you know, is right twice a day. But it seems like his specific way of acting happens yeah. to fit that character because here's the key to loki yep it's- he thinks he's charming but he isn't oh <laughs> there it is and there's that's why the- hiddleston is perfect oh god there's if there, if there were taglines for the episode that would be the tagline tom tom hiddleston is great at playing loki because loki thinks he's charming when he really isn't yeah oh that's thank the key you to for the that gift to the world that being said, that being said, it's possible that the only uh, actor capable of playing the role that way is someone who is very self-aware and deft and actually possesses a lot of charm and knows how to 
um, knows how to to do it wrongly. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I, I just don't want to alienate listeners too much. I don't want to alienate them, but I will say I cannot picture him as James Bond. There was rumours of that for a while. Mm. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a struggle. It'd be a struggle. But I I, I think I I couldn't picture anyone else as Loki. I and, and I and that's very high praise from me. If it's like it's like J. Jonah Jameson. I can't picture anyone else but J.K. Simmons playing that character. When it comes to Loki, I can't picture anyone else playing him. He doesn't. Yeah. He fits into that role too well. Now I know, Will, that uh, you have been gobbling up those episodes on <laughs> Disney Plus of the Loki series um, and the wife. Just a, the broadly, because yeah. a pun, as a joker could make that, I'm not going to. Good, I am pleased. Um, <laughs> So, uh, broadly speaking, without giving any details or spoilers, are you enjoying this series of Loki? I am. Um, The last thing is, unlike the last uh, two series uh, on Disney Plus I watched, this one started, you know, incredibly strong and kept and kept going. They didn't feel like there was much filler going on. I think I think they've 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 got into a better stride now with Loki. It feels like they've they've done one division which was had a very shaky first three episodes in my opinion. And Jeez. Then, sorry? Jeez. Jeez. I you know, I've made my opinions heard by about one division and I think it's a fantastic show, but the first three episodes I did not get on with. But and then you had uh the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which which I really loved at the beginning, but then it sort of felt like it sort of wavered in the middle for for mm. me in places. But so far Loki has been solid. Absolutely and yet, this was meant to be the first, the first one out. They, this Crazy. was meant to be the first, the first release show. I think it was the first one finished. I think. I think. Um, I think they did it did well doing one division first. I think one division was a great way of breaking into it. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm loving it as well. I'm, I'm thinking, say, uh, it's a, a really interesting, exciting, different. Feels like we're exploring different corners of this Marvel universe. The three, the three shows have done that. Mm. Actually, Falcon and Winter Soldier felt like it was really good because it felt like it's continuing, um, like the move, the main, the main kind of Earth movie plot. Yeah, it was great to see the the Earth kind of develop after the events of things that have come out. Um, Wanda and and this feel like they've gone off and done their own little corners, which is fun. Also, um, speaking about not about in terms of Marvel, but in terms of the show's appearance, uh, I watched it with. I watched the first episode with my mum as well, and my mum's other half. And uh, I think the the, the phrases we we, we tossed around while while watching was, "This feels like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy." This feels like a Terry Gilliam movie. It's very British. It's very very British. Very British sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. It borrows very, to me. It borrows very heavily from um, Doctor Who yeah. and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And there's this kind of this this kind of Kafka esque notion of um, uh, <laughs> it's very British. The idea of uh, red tape actually being what is yes. the worst thing in the bureaucracy and red tape being the worst things in the universe. Because that's my first um, thought when he came in there. I went, "This is a Vogon spaceship." Very good, yeah. Is, yeah. So I know you've actually got a litany of questions spinning out from the Loki series, and at this stage in the deeper dive on Loki, we are going to get into them. So, uh, Will, what do you want to know about? What do I want to know? Okay, first question. Is there ever a female version of Loki? 
Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, that 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 is. So let's talk about Ragnarok. Not hey. the movie. Not the movie. The 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 Twilight of the Gods. Um, it, it it's the prophesized end of all Asgardians. That Loki would lead Asgard's enemies um, into the eternal realm, into Asgard, and aid them in in destroying Asgard. In this final great battle known as Ragnarok, um, that's Ragnarok, and all, all a lot of these early myths are taken from the actual myths and, and legends of the Asgardians, um, of, of the Norse uh, myths and legends. Uh, Ragnarok is, is is part of that. In the Marvel universe, Ragnarok happens several times. The Asgardians are locked into this cycle of of Immortality, death, and rebirth. Oh wow! Um, and and they go through Ragnarok, and they are reborn on the other side um, because, as gods, they cannot ever truly die. Um, and the cycle is 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 kind of overseen by this mysterious it, the beings who sit above in shadow is what they are called, and they're kind of meant to be beyond the realm of the multiverse. Right, okay. They're beyond everything. Um, and there was a final... There's a period of time where there's almost a final Ragnarok. Thor was sort of wanted to put an end to this constant cycle of death and rebirth. It's in very modern stories. Um, and so this time when the Asgardians died, they re-emerged from death in in, in very odd slapdash haphazard manner with their bodies being scattered around the world and some of them not even being awake as actual as as gods again living a human mortal life or um being just in, in comas and things and and when they started to be re-emerging from from this ragnarok cycle loki has taken a female form Ooh. and she starts this path of trying to convince her fellow as guardians to forgive her. Okay. And it's quite uh, perhaps a male perspective on a female form, but Loki is presenting her new female form as some sort of token of change, but also of, oh, look at me, I haven't come back as a man that commits to, but I'm softer now. You know, <laughs> even though that's utter utter generous nonsense, but it, it the, the female form is meant to be like her her olive branch to the rest of Asgard. Okay, okay. Uh, Lady Loki helps reunite all the resurrected Asgardians, and basically installs a new king of Asgard. She reveals a long-held secret of the royal family, which is that one of Thor's long-time allies and, and brother-in-arms, Baldar the Brave, who's in the right back in the early sixty stories, and is is one of the part of the myths and legends. Baldar the Brave is actually a secret child of Odin, Ooh. and is older and is entitled to the throne <laughs> uh, and the new king baldar now who sits on the throne who is a brave and virtuous man he's not he is not ah you've given me the throne he's like he's he's a bold and virtuous man 
he starts to believe because of these things lady loki can actually be trusted she has helped to to reunite the asgardians she has helped to continue the royal line and put someone virtuous on the throne okay so and and because the king of asgard starts to believe in lady loki the, a lot of the other asgardians do as well okay but in reality <laughs> Loki, that's not his new. That's not Loki's new body. Ooh, that is the new resurrected body of Thor's long love, Lady Sif. Oh. He has hijacked Sif's body, no. silenced her mind, and Loki is basically masquerading around in this in this female form to try and get sympathy to pretend that loki wants to change and whilst manipulating king baldar loki is also making deals and alliances with norman osborne (laughs) and dr doom okay she even helps doom experiment on the bodies of dead asgardians and turn them into horrifying uh, cybernetic zombie slaves um, uh, at the same time, Loki disguises herself as Wanda the Scarlet Witch, miss, long missing, and uses that deception to manipulate Hank Pym into forming a new separate team of Avengers for Lady Loki to manipulate and control in secret. Hmm. Um, but there's more. Um, there's more. <laughs> so we need to go back to Odin's father, Bor. Odin. Ah, oh, yes, Bor. Yeah. Bor Thor. The 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 modern comics yeah. tell the story of how Bor, yeah. uh, king of Asgard, was turned into snow by a powerful <laughs> sorcerer. Not the um, wizard. No. Odin, Odin, after this, is beset by his father Bor's spirit, begging Odin to find a way to save him. But Odin never does. I can't stress this enough. Odin in the comics is, in the modern stories, is an absolute... He's, a, he's an absolute monster. <laughs> he's a master manipulator. Right. Odin never takes, never, never um, uh, helps his father. He leaves his father as this being of snow, drifting around on the wind, and takes the throne. Mm. And then, after he's taken the throne, Bor's spirit comes to Odin again and accepts that Odin will never save him, but instead begs Odin to make things right by taking in the son of a fallen king and raising it as his own. Ah. And Odin agrees to do this and swears he will. And this is why in the Asgardian battles with the Frost Giants, that's why Odin takes in Loki uh, as his son. Gotcha. Because he made this vow to the spirit of his lost father, Bor. However, the sorcerer who turns Bor to snow is revealed to be a time-travelling Lady Loki. 
<laughs> the spirit of Boar torturing Odin and making him swear to take in a fallen king's child. That is also revealed to be time-travelling Loki once again. So Loki, Lady Loki at this period of time travels back in time and manipulates the events of her his own life to ensure that Loki is adopted by the court of Asgard and raised in a powerful position next to the throne. Manipulating his own timeline to make these events happen. Wow. That's what Lady Loki uh, does. And... and uh, is this well? Yeah, no, yeah, it is. Um, to stick one into Thor and to make sure he never kind of gets in the way again, uh, Lady Loki actually undoes the snow spell that she cast in the past on Boar, returns Boar to the flesh in modern day New York, and and makes him absolutely insane with with a with a berserker rage and a bloodlust and boar sets off through new york like seeing visions of demons and giants and goblins all around him which just people in cars cutting the like a brutal swath through new york this terrifying elder god um thor arrives has this huge battle with this insane thing he's never seen before thor has never met his grandfather his grandfather was dead before he was ever, you know, around. Mm. So gets into this brutal battle, not knowing it's his granddad, and Thor to put this this awful creature down kills Bor, just as Loki leads King Baldar and the rest of the Asgardians onto the battlefield, and is like, "Oh, I didn't realize we'd see Thor killing his own grandfather as we came around here," and. You know, uh, this is an unforgivable crime in in Asgard. Not just killing someone, uh, not just killing your own sort of uh, father, grandfather, but killing a member of the royal family. Yeah. So Loki f- forces and, and then brings up to Baldar. I think there's only two punishments for this, isn't there? It's either execution or um, exiled from Asgard forever, and kind of forces Baldar to exile. Um, Exile Thor from from Asgard forever. Wow. There we go. There That's Lady Loki. That's baby. Lady Loki. Okay, next question then. Uh, does Loki ever die in the comics? Well, as you point out in many, many episodes, there's a lot of people dying in, in Marvel and, yep. and villains coming back. And yeah, that, you know, so that general thing happens. Um, again and again, you assume someone dead because they fell off a cliff or they, you know, whatever it might be, there was an explosion, you never found the body, ah, that villain is dead and they're dead until they need them a few months down the line but there is a final true death of of Loki in, in the 616 Marvel comics um, and it, it has to do with a storyline called Siege. Ooh. Now, in um, in our, our our bonus Civil War episode, I talked about how there's this incredible period of Marvel storytelling where all these major crossover events for, bleed into each other and spin off from each other. And it starts with 
with Nick Fury's Secret War, and it goes through House of M and Civil War, and it lasts several years, really, until the conclusion of that set of stories is this storyline called Siege, mm. which we will get to in, in time. And to set a bit of the scene, Norman, Osgo- Norman Osborn is the now the kind of king of America's intelligence community. Through a series of events, he has been chosen by the president to replace Nick Fury. Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. Everyone knows he was the Green Goblin. But he has now been handpicked to lead S.H.I.E.L.D., which he renames Hammer, just because he can. <laughs> and Norman Osborn has his own Dark Avengers to replace the the, the other ones. Um, and during this time, Loki, Lady Loki, and then the Switchback, manipulates Norman Osborn into leading his Avengers and his Hammer, you know, military forces into attacking Asgard. Um, Asgard is, for this period of time, mortal-bound. It is a city that exists in the New Mexico, in the Oklahoma desert. Ah, yes, I remember you said. Oklahoma desert doesn't sound right. It's near Oklahoma, yeah. It's in the desert. I think it's in the desert. I'm not sure if Oklahoma has a desert, though. I don't know if desert's the right word. Um, and during this siege and this invasion and this battle, which is essentially America declaring war on Asgard, mm. which splits the forces of Asgard and the Avengers, the Dark Avengers and all of this, um, it's a real destructive battle that goes on. A A creature... How to do this? Okay, a creature called the Void comes around, um, abnormally powerful, right? Seemingly beyond the power of, of of the Asgardians, a dark, twisted creature that is unleashed. Um, and and during this, the 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 Void is absolutely destroying Asgard, which was not Loki's intent. Loki's intent was to engineer things to get Asgard off Earth, back into the heavens as one of the nine realms, mm. presumably with him ruling it. Yeah, yeah. But seeing the void and unleashed on Asgard and destroying Asgard, seeing his his plans come to ruin, um, he uh, prays to Odin for help, and he uses these powerful. Um, these powerful objects called the Norn Stones to try and help the Avengers against the Void, but is killed by the Void in front of Thor and on his deathbed with his dying last words, just basically, I am sorry, brother, and and then dies. But before dying, he had hatched a scheme. Of course he did. Which is to basically have himself reborn as a child that becomes known as Kid Loki. Mm. Um, and this child is a, a do-over. Um, it is Loki up to that point of his life as a child. 
but it is has none of the memories, knowledge, or experiences of Loki as an adult. He's a child that played with his brother Thor and played around in the Asgardian, you know, the the Asgardian royal uh, royal court, um, and it's meant to be this gift to himself to. It's it's a new spirit, a new version of him. It is a resurrection, but that Loki dies. The, the manipulator, the god of evil, the god of mischief is dead. Kid Loki is back now. Kid Loki has one companion, uh, a, a, a raven called Ikol, which is the spirit of the dead Loki possessing a tiny bird wow to whisper in child loki's ear and be like are you sure you don't want to backstab him manipulate him lie cheat steal <laughs> um so that loki the main 616 timeline general loki that personification of loki dies finally right. okay yeah so that's that's that is he does die that personification. Cool. Yes, okay. Kid Loki is a separate a separate personality and being. Speaking of which, how many different versions of Loki are there? That's where things get very complicated. Yay. So, Lady Loki is not a different version or variant of Loki. Mm. Lady Loki is Loki inhabiting Lady Sif's body and screwing around and. Um, pulls this this switcheroo right as Thor basically uncovers the truth. Loki, Lady Loki appears and says, "Oh my word! I have just discovered that all this time I have accidentally been in Lady Loki in Lady Sif's body. My spirit was misdirected there instead of going to my normal male body. Oh, I feel so terrible." And both sides know it's lies, yeah, but Thor. Yeah. Thor cannot catch him and prove him in the lie. So, you know, Loki then releases Lady Sif and, and, and has another male body, which is the one that dies during the siege. So that's, that is Loki. Right. What we might call the original Loki. Okay. And then there is Kid Loki, who is, again, it's a separate personality and identity. They share a past up until the age of Kid Loki, which I, I can't grasp, but he's kind of a, a preteen or an early teen. I think it's a pre-teenager, yeah. It's quite short. <laughs> and this Loki uh, has I mean, absolutely incredible stories penned by Kieran Gillen, who, born and raised in my hometown uh, here at Stafford, and um, great, great writer at Marvel, and, and all sorts of other wonderful comic books. Uh, go and get Kieran Gillen comics now. But he <laughs> writes this brilliant series with Kid Loki, um, Journey into Mystery. He gets he brings back the old original title that Thor was published in, Journey into Mystery, and uses it to tell stories of Kid Loki, who is distru- distrusted and hated by everyone in Asgard because they just gave a second chance to Loki when it was Lady Loki, and that turned out to be a horrifying mistake. So they're never going to trust Loki again. But Kid Loki literally has none of those crimes on his head. None of that blood on his hands, mm. and all he really wants is for his brother to love him and trust him. Um, there's not much... No one really cares about Odin. Odin's off the scene. Um, 
and Asgard is ruled by three. Uh, 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 what do you, how do you pronounce triumvirate? Yeah, triumvirate of queens. Tri- tri- a tri- what like a like a republic? Not a republic, but like basically just three of them. Yeah, yeah. Three ruling, three ruling beings, three queens of Asgard. In fact, Asgard is no longer Asgard at this point. It is Asgardia. It has almost taken a, a, a female persuasion. Odin is gone, mm. um, and there are three queens that rule Asgard. And these three queens know that no one will ever trust Loki, but also know that Kid Loki is very, very, very useful with his magics and his schemes. And Loki kind of... This comic essentially becomes like Mission Impossible, like plausible deniability. Loki bounces around the Nine Realms, solving these dirty problems that Asgardia can't get its hands... (laughs) <laughs> can't get involved in, can't publicly yeah. be seen to be involved in. And if anyone finds out Loki's involved, Asgardi's got wonderful, plausible deniability. Oh, Loki? Yeah, uh, the villain. <laughs> Nothing to do with us. That's like a um, one-man suicide squad. Sure, yeah. Or Mission Impossible. Mission, um, yeah. It's a really, a really smart and clever series. And, 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 and Loki there, although he becomes compromised in bits along the way... Um, he's, he has a big heart that's always in the right place, but that Loki spirit is still in there a little bit, and he does keep doing kind of horrible, selfish, selfish things. Yeah, and he has Icol, his raven, who possesses the spirit of the dead Loki, and is always whispering to try and um, to try and get him to come to the dark side. Now that series ends with Kid Loki discovering he is actually trapped in a wider scheme by the original Loki. And the scheme has to end one way and one way only in order to save Asgardia, his brother, uh, Earth and the Nine Realms. Kid Loki has to kill himself. Ooh. And let the personality of the original Loki possess his body and take over. Okay. And all the goodwill, all his good deeds, all his good deeds, his heroic deeds, his great actions, the lives he's saved, the trust he has finally built up in Thor and the rest of the Asgardians will all be there for the picking when the real original Loki steps back in with this young body that now everyone trusts, Ooh. and he'll just be able to, just he'll there will be no door that is not open to him again. The goodwill has been banked. Yeah, but the problem is what happens is that it doesn't quite go the way that the original Loki thinks it's going to go. He thinks Kid Loki is going to destroy his mind. Mm. original Loki is just going to pop back into that body, pick up where he left off, but in a younger, with all his crimes wiped clean, a younger body. Mm. But what actually happens is he has all the memories of Kid Loki, and he can feel all the emotions Kid Loki felt. So the two personalities actually kind of merge Mm, to create a third version of Loki which is Kid Loki, his memories, thoughts, his kind of innate, not innate goodness, but the, the his morality, perhaps. 
merged with the despicable, awful, let's destroy Asgard, original, manipulate everyone Loki. And from that we get a a, a kind of a third personality. Um, So there are essentially three different versions of Loki in, in Marvel. Okay, that's cool, that's cool. But let's move away from Loki for a bit. Uh, what can you tell us, Rob, about the Time Variance Authority? Oh, Ooh. The, these, are, these are really fun, and they're not, they don't come up very often whatsoever. Um, they are, they're like a very... We could have, we could, they could fit into obscure Marvel. I mean, they're not particularly uh, ridiculous, but they're kind of obscure. Yeah, because I thought they, if, they, if, they, if they appeared a lot in the comics, it would mess around with so much. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe <laughs> it, they're not very. They're not very. I don't think you can have a story, stories about them. They're not terribly, you know. Sympathetic. Anyway, yeah. uh, they first appear in, in 1986. They create the, the creation of Walter Simonson, who is a, 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 a one of the famous Thor names, uh, and Sam Salbuchemer. Um, uh, we we meet them in a story about okay, a futuristic civilization of Brooklynopolis. <laughs> um, it's threatened by some great big horrible thing from World War Seven or Eight, and mm. the lawman of the future, Justice Peace, <laughs> who to me feels very much like a judge, a nearly a judge dread kind of mm. martial law character, but not so violent. But lawman of the future, just to me, says judge dread. Justice Peace is recruited by something called the the, the Time Variancy Authority. And allowed to go back in time and eliminate this threat called the Zaniac um, from the past to save Brooklynopolis of the future. And he goes back and he teams with Thor. Okay, mm. so the TVA appear as merely backstory to this character, Justice Peace. Right. Okay. Um, but it, it it becomes established in a couple of stories that the, the the TVA claim responsibility for monitoring the multiverse. Um, right, yeah, there we go. And and they do prune timelines if they're deemed too dangerous to exist. Now, tr- tr- not to make any comment about any spoiler comments, but in the Marvel, uh, in the Marvel, I want to call it the Marvel Universe, but in the Marvel comic books, there is well established a multiverse. Yeah, Earth is merely Earth six one six of 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 a multitude, perhaps an infinity of them, and the TVA are there to prune timelines that get too dangerous, um, and and get rid of those 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 universes, and they they also can take events to prevent other beings from mm. altering the past uh, or altering the future or whatever, um, and yeah, they tend to battle an awful lot of Kang the Conqueror and Ooh, Immortus, which we'll see him, get aren't we, to. Hopefully. We are believed to see them in Phase 4, so that's, that's something to look forward to. Now, the TVA was like a unique concept for Americans, but not for us Brits, uh, because Marvel UK, which was a separate set of stories that America didn't get, we had a Captain Britain comic book, and there's a Captain Britain story arc, 
involve involving the Dimensional Development Court. Right. Okay. The Diven- the Dimensional Development Court are essentially the TVA, basically. Um and it's created by Alan Moore, of course, who else? <laughs> during during Alan Moore and Alan Davis uh, yeah. are, are writing um Captain Britain at the time. Captain Britain is brought outside of the timeline to the Supreme Omniversal Tribunal in Eden Place um, to to testify in this time confusion, this multiverse confusion, and there's a deviant version of a timeline getting out of control. Um, and 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 so there is this this concept already existed some people have said it's a direct ripoff i mean i don't know you, you, you'd have to you'd have to know if Sim, simonson and and Bishema were reading captain britain from marvel uk stuff i don't i don't know if they were or not but it is certainly not a unique idea um and it's not it's not terribly a unique idea in in especially not by the 80s in in fiction in general really um they but they don't have like loads of stories um, they crop up in some what if stories, which is interesting because ah. we're going to have a what if series. Uh, a series of what if stories feature um, some of these characters, but perhaps their major appearance is in the Time Trial of She-Hulk, um, which is a from a great series written by Dan Slott, really brilliant writer that I've talked about before. In, when 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 we discuss Spider Man, he's he's one of the he thinks a lot. He's written more issues of Spider-Man than anyone else ever, including Stan Lee. Um, Dan Slott also wrote a really brilliant and fun and funny She-Hulk series, and we see the TVA turn up in uh, a story about a millionaire. Oh, how do I pronounce this guy's name? Uh, Sarkowski. Okay, Sarkowski, Charles yeah. Sarkowski is put on trial for attempted murder. But he attempts. He claims that it's in self-defense due to the victim being a time traveler from the future. Okay. Um, Charles gets representation from this um, this law firm called Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway, who She-Hulk works for. FYI, Goodman, Lieber, Kurtzberg, and Holloway are surnames of the people involved in the original Marvel. Martin Goodman is the publisher. (laughs) Um, Kurtzberg is Jack Kirby's surname. Mm. Uh, Lieber is Stan Lee's surname. Holloway, you'd have to leave it with me. Um, So Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, she works on the case and it's uh, it's very difficult because of how high profile the case is. In the media, it's impossible to find an unbiased jury. Right. So the law firm used the TVA to bring in people from the past who are dead (laughs) in the present, dead at time of the trial, so they can be an unbiased jury. Oh, People who remember the the, the O.J. Simpson trial will know how important an unbiased trial, uh, an unbiased jury, is in someone's trial. Um, the the jurors were locked away, sequestered in a hotel for months on end during the trial because the media coverage was incessant. So mm. the the this law firm, Marvel law firm's uh, um, 
solution is to use the TVA to bring people from the past who had just died. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, I, I like the depending how far back you go. If they're too far back, they won't have context or you know the right kind of context uh, to to judge the situation correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like the idea though. And it's a twisty turny um time travel story. It's really fun. Justice Peace is involved in it working for the TVA again. Um there's lots of paradoxes and, and all sorts of stuff like that. But that's like one of their most major appearances really and, and there's not mm. much um there's not much a huge house going on there with them. Okay, cool. I, I this is what I, I, I like um when because we discussed it before and it hasn't always gone the good way but when when the mcu brings in things that weren't really big in the comic but goes ah that could do some that could be something good for this for the screen we could actually make something that for the screen yeah work. absolutely yeah um, not, i can't it, think of any other examples and i'm really embarrassed that i can't think of it but i know there are others Oh, there, there, I mean, I think we we see more and more with the with the TV shows and stuff. They yeah. they take things from the comics and they just go off in different directions with them, which is really great. Or they take a smattering of ideas and use them together in one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, I'm gonna. So we got a character here played by Owen Wilson. Uh, it's very good to see Owen Wilson in the show. Yeah, he's brilliant. Uh, the character he plays it's Mobius M. Mobius, isn't it? Is that his That's correct. Is, uh, yeah. What, who, who is he? He is in the comics, right? Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a bureaucrat and <laughs> uh, middle management figure for the Time Variancy Agency, um, created by Walter Simonson again uh, in the nineties. Um, and 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 Mobius first encounters the Fantastic Four when prosecuting them for illegal time travel use. Continuity theft and other various charges from one of their yeah. adventures. Um, his physical appearance is based on legendary Marvel writer slash editor Mark Grunwald. Now, Mark Grunwald is such an encyclopedia of Marvel stories that he was constantly making sure writers weren't contradicting the other stories that were going on at Marvel and screwing up the continuity of the comics. If you think about there being 30 or 40, perhaps not that many, but 30-odd Marvel comics published every month Mm. featuring similar characters, you've got to have people who are able to step in and go, no, you can't use the juggernaut, he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And... So Grunwald, because he was such an encyclopedia knowledge of what had happened before, what was going to happen, and what was happening, he was the guy that kept the continuity straight amongst all the writers and editors in Marvel. So Walt Simonson, uh, Simonson, he decided to create this. This basically, that's exactly what's happening in the story. He is someone that works at the Time Variancy Authority, trying to make sure the timeline doesn't get screwed up. Yeah. So the physical appearance in the comic books is that of Mark Grunewald. Um, and Owen Wilson's appearance in the Disney show, Disney show pays homage to that with his clothes, and especially the moustache as well. I, I'm looking at the pictures of him right now, and obviously they're comparing with uh, Owen Wilson. They got it, they got it most, mostly down. Oh okay, yeah, Owen not... Wilson still looks like Owen Wilson, but yeah. you know. Owen, Owen Wilson looks like he's doing an impression of him from Mad Men. <laughs> John Slattery yeah. from Mad Men. But yeah, I'm looking at it. They, they, they got the basic gist of the character down. It's good. I, he, he, he's, he's pretty all right. He, I mean, 
Owen Wilson's just Owen Wilson in the show, isn't it? He's just Owen Wilson playing Owen Wilson, who, if Owen Wilson was a bureaucrat. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that is kind of his style. But I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is just Robert Downey Jr. but in an iron suit. So, um, I think you know what one thing that's just is it, I find interesting in in the the time variancy authority when they start to become used as this funny way of a nod nod wink wink to continuity issues yeah. to undoing things and getting things right the same run by dan slot and she hulk that has the the tva also introduces this idea of other earth i think it's called or alter earth Mm. and he introduces a way to tidy up any and all problems that are happening in the marvel universe in terms of marvel characters acting against their personality yeah there was a, a there was a big problem with um, Dan Slott is writing She-Hulk and in someone else's comic they have She-Hulk sleep with Juggernaut and Dan Slott is like my She-Hulk that I'm writing in her own series would never do that but some other writer writing X-Men or whatever has my character sleep with Juggernaut and I don't get a say in it and there was some other little things along the way, you know, with the other other Marvel writers were annoyed about and go, or readers would say, well, how come Wolverine acts like this in X-Men and then acts like this in Avengers? I, uh, Dan yeah. Slott introduced a very humorous way of tidying that all up. <laughs> There's a parallel world mm. where no one has any superpowers. And... A, a, a company over there invents a way of traveling to the Marvel Earth 616 as a holiday. <laughs> so our counterparts, Marvel counterparts, will come from this other world. And when they arrive in the Earth 616, they may well find that in this universe they have superpowers. Um, and so the Jennifer Walters from the o- other Earth goes on holiday, like Total Recall style almost, goes yeah, to this holiday yeah. company, pays her money, goes on holiday in Earth 616, steps through the portal to discover she's giant and green, and then starts going off to shag Juggernaut. <laughs> so every continuity problem can be, every personality problem can be explained away by Dan Slot's story idea of, oh, it wasn't them, it was a version of them on holiday from another world. I would very. Prefer- I would have preferred what they did on The Simpsons with Itchy and Scratchy. Every time of you see so- you would. something like that, we, you just say, a wizard did it. <laughs> it was a very neat very neat idea, very funny. I don't think it... A lot of the funny stuff that went on in that She-Hulk comic is not really played up by anything else, but because it, it's, it's a very... It, Marvel doesn't like to do too much with their humorous stuff, but yeah. um, fun stuff. Fun stuff, fun stuff. So they, uh, we see their statues everywhere. Everybody's going on about them at the TVA. Who are Rob? Who are the timekeepers? Again, very, very few appearances. I think actually I misspoke earlier. I don't think the TVA do that much in those what if comics, but there is a distinct. I remember from my childhood having two of a four or five issue arc which always bugged me as a kid mm. so i had two stories and i couldn't have the whole story <laughs> and uh, the, the timekeepers make make de- make some appearances in those what if stories in a storyline called time quake which is such a cool name for a story but they they, <laughs> they don't appear yeah. too much either um they 
were created by He Who Remains. He Who Remains is the very last director of the Time Variance Authority from the previous reality okay. before the before the Big Bang. Oh God! Just prior to the heat death of that universe, He Who Remains, the last director, creates the Timekeepers who then live on into this version of the universe a lot like galactus right which we'll get to um and uh they they accidentally create the same time instead of the time keepers the time twisters who are their twisted versions of them who are flawed and uh around to destroy realities and things and they uh they have lots of encounters with uh thor and and um because I believe their first appearance is in Thor. Mm. The Timekeepers have like a great... Uh, I mean, for characters that barely appear, they're like the most powerful things in the in the in the six one six. They can yeah. they can manipulate all temporal energy. They they you've, we've seen them uh, age entire armies to dust, not even to skeletons to dust Ooh. or re- reverse aging. Um, you know, taking them back to. A point before their life began, so they blink <laughs> out of existence. Um, I like that. They 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 can travel uh, through time. They can go into alternate realities because this, you know all, all of time exists in all of different realities. They can summon beings from any point in the time stream that they wish, um, and they can remove realities as well um, and, and stuff like that. The 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 time twisters are. It's hard to say if they're bad versions of them because the Time Keepers aren't particularly good. Um, they both, the Time Keepers and the Time Twisters, both manipulate events in the multiverse to ensure their survival and to get rid of their counterparts. That sounds like they're two sides of the same coin. They have both have yes. similar motivations, but yeah. Yeah, very much. <laughs> that sounds um, and, right. and they both come from the, the, the same previous uh, reality to, to, to this one. In the Absolutely awesome uh, 1998 miniseries, Avengers Forever. It's revealed that the Timekeepers have actually been involving themselves in Earth's heroes mm. as soon as the Avengers came together. So this this, this cool series goes back uh, to the original Avengers um, adventures in the 60s and says, but what we didn't know then is that behind the scenes, this happened. Right. So, okay. and and they create a story that 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 goes from the Avengers first um, adventures through to the nineties and on to a future version of the Avengers way in the in the future. It's a really great story. <laughs> that um, sounds incredible. Yeah, it, it, it's revealed that in in the Avengers second issue, their second adventure in the nineteen sixties, they're trying to stop an interdimensional alien called the Space Phantom. <laughs> who is a bit ridiculous and uh, because he's a bit ridiculous no one ever uses him he's purple he lives in limbo and he can swap places with anyone he wants and oh. they get teleported to they get teleported to limbo and he takes on their form in 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 our world and he was using it to disguise himself as the avengers to try and break them up like Suddenly, Thor's not being nice. He's being grumpy, and he's starting a fight with Iron Man or whatever. Mm. Um, and to break them up, the Avengers Forever story reveals that this was all done at the command of the Timekeepers. 
to break up the Avengers before their their power could threaten the Timekeepers. Um, and and then the the, the the Avengers' first major world saving story adventure took place uh, in like issue ten, nine or ten, when when they battled Kang the Conqueror. Kang the Conqueror is a warlord from the future who brings his technology and armies back in time to try and conquer the the ill-prepared modern day. This was revealed also to be a plot by the Timekeepers. Um, and and they also revealed that, that, well, sensing the Scarlet Witch's power, the Timekeepers tried to manipulate events to ensure her death. Um, and a lot of the messed up things that happened to Wanda over the years have been revealed to be because the of the timekeepers manipulating the timeline but all they actually ended up doing was um resulting in her falling in love with the vision which really messed things up bloody hell all right i've got one more question for you so one of the characters we see uh in the tv show uh, a lot of is the tva judge uh, ravonna is she someone we should know this is it we had a little teaser right at the start and we said we might be taking our first steps into phase four ah here we go the rumors are and i'm not entirely sure if they'll be confirmed but that kang the conqueror is scheduled for phase four of the mcu right kang the conqueror as i just said is this major classic avengers and marvel villain he is a time traveler who is utter mastery of of, of the timeline and uh, conquers and rules the, the the earth and in fact the cosmos and the galaxy in the future so ravonna renslayer is kang's true love Ooh, and the go. motivation for a lot of his actions. And that's, this is Ravonna Renslayer. Uh, in the 40th century, this character, Ravonna Alexis Renslayer, is the daughter of a king um, who is essentially... So Kang, Kang is trying to annex her time into his empire. Kang doesn't... Con- doesn't just conquer galaxies he conquers timelines he conquers <laughs> er- he, he conquers entire errors his his kingdom spans different different mm. different decades and different hundreds of years and stuff um K- kang uh falls in love with ravonna but she hates him due to the fact that he's trying to conquer her her, her father's kingdom um and when when the kingdom is is threatened um with rebellion kang kind of he he does an awful lot to try and win ravonna's hand in in, in marriage mm. so ravonna rebels against him but kang allows it because he loves her um but when the when the rebellion is getting you know really on top of things he summons the Avengers uh, to witness his final triumph because Kang is a dick. So <laughs> he's going to put this rebellion down and then marry Ravana 
um, and all of that kind of stuff, and he wants the Avengers to kind of witness it all happen. But his 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 army at- attacks the, the Ravonna's kingdom at his signal, but one of his generals rebels against him um, because um, Kang hasn't executed Ravonna. He's allowed her rebellion, um, breaking the rules, and 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 that is kind of. Causing insurrection within Kang's own ranks. Um, every other time that they have their armies have swept through an error, they have executed the rulers of these conquered kingdoms, but not Ravana. So now he's got this uprising from within his own army from this guy called uh, Baltag. So mm-hmm. Kang has to use the Avengers to help him fight Baltag. Um, during this, however. Uh, Ravonna sacrifices her life to save Kang. Like right at the last minute, she kind of realizes she has this feelings for him. Right. Um, and she dives in front of this blast that is meant to kill Kang and finally undo all his decades and his centuries of conquest. But Ravonna takes the shot instead, and and um. Kang immediately preserves her in frozen time, so she's basically like a death-like coma. And if she wake, if he removes the the stasis, she'll she'll die. Mm. Um, and and that becomes like Kang's kind of raison d'être for a while. Um, you know, Mister Freeze in many of his appearances in he, movies and TV shows and yes. things, he's got his wife frozen in ice, yeah. and everything he does is for her. Kang and Ravana, it's a similar kind of situation she's preserved but he's always seeking a way to defeat death free ravana and marry her and make her his queen because in her last moment she realizes she loved him um he as part of this to try and beat death and save her he plays a a cosmic game with a, a being a cosmic being called the grand master who is on a par with some of these kind of nameless, faceless cosmic creatures in, in Marvel like Galactus mm. uh and the the collector, although it's not what the collector looks like in the in the in the in the movies, who's just a, a pawn shop owner. Um, <laughs> yeah. and okay, so so who does Kang have on this team? So Kang wants to destroy the Avengers because he partly blames them and he wants to conquer their period of time. The the Grandmaster creates this tournament of, of, of champions. The Grandmaster has as his champions the Avengers and Kang has this team of other heroes called the Squadron Supreme from a different reality. The Squadron Supreme are all essentially um, Marvel versions of the Justice League. Okay. There's Hy- Hyperion, who is a stand-in for Superman. Um, there is Nighthawk, who is a stand-in for uh, Batman. There is Power Princess instead of Wonder Woman mm. and, and things like that. And uh, they have these... It's a great story. They have these great big clashes. Um, and, and Kang's prize at the end, if he wins, is kill the Avengers um, and save Ravonna. He doesn't quite... He only partially wins... So the Grandmaster decrees he can only have one of his two prizes. And instead of choosing to save Ravana, he chooses to kill the Avengers instead. Um, 
This will come back to haunt him because eventually, after some very convoluted things, um, Ravonna does come out of the coma. She's saved and rescued by another version of Kang from another point in the timeline. There starts to become a Kang war. (laughs) Kang keeps going back in time and forward in time to kill different versions of Kang. So all the Kangs are at war with each other. But one Kang has Ravonna at his side as his queen, which drives all the other Kangs nuts. It gets deeply complicated. Uh, Ravonna now hates Kang because she knows that Kang chose to not save her, but to kill the Avengers. So she believes that Kang is, is beyond saving, and she now throws her lot in with her new love, Immortus. Now, Immortus is Kang from even further into the future when he has grown wary of being a warlord and a conqueror and has instead joined with the timekeepers to help preserve and nurture timelines. FYI, Kang is also the Pharaoh Ramtut that we have in our, <laughs> in our history. Pharaoh Ramtut, Ramtut is, yeah. is Kang when, back in time. Uh. Um, and also, he's a descendant of either Reed Richards or Doctor Doom. No one knows which one. Oh, God. Um, so, Ravana, uh, Kang, very messy, Immortus, the timelines, the future, the past, different versions, uh, betrayals, kingdoms that span centuries. It is all sort of there in Ravana, who, as we see, is is this judge in in the TVA. Does that answer any question? I think I answered all. Well, I, I was going to ask, what's going to happen in Phase 4? But you answered that too. <laughs> well, not really, but know, but it, this could... This is our first glimpse of what may... I mean, this could be the first glimpse of a character that may play an essential part in Phase 4 if Kang is definitely... I think Kang is definitely appearing in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I think that's what been confirmed, and that's the first film of Phase 4, isn't it? That's gonna, uh, so, wh- whether Ravona plays a part in that, who knows? But that is all the answers I have for you this time. So we have dug so deep into Loki, his very long and very evil and very twisted timeline. We've explored the time variancy authority. Um, We've looked at the timekeepers and we've even had perhaps our very first glimpse of phase four of the MCU with Ravonna. Um, An awful lot to unpack from this episode, Will. An awful lot of questions and answers thank you for your curiosity and indeed your ignorance that god is there uh, in terms of reading lists uh, for lady loki you want to check out j michael straczynski's thor volume one i mean straczynski is very impossible for me to tell you how to spell if you just type thor j michael the surname will appear in your searches um for Kid Loki, uh, which is really cool, and I really recommend that, you want to be checking out Q 
Kieran Gillen, Journey into Mystery. A great, great story art there. It's really cool. Um, I also highly recommend Avengers Forever by Kurt Busiek, which has got some cool, cool Timekeepers stuff in it. There's not much time variancy stuff. I mean, Dan Slot She-Hulk, which is brilliant and funny that has appearances by the time variancy agency but it's not quite going to be what you're getting from the the tv series that is currently on but it's fun it's fun very fun stuff um as ever we urge you please 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 do not use amazon to buy comic books amazon and their prices and their business model will be the death of comic book shops and comic book shops are the lifeblood of the comic book industry there are comic book shops all over the place You'll live near one of them. You can pop in or you can organize some sort of delivery and pick up with them. Um, if you don't have a bricks and mortar comic book store near you or you still need to self-isolate and keep away, there are online comic book shops everywhere. All you need to do is Google, you know, kind of your country or location an online comic book shop or comic book shop and you'll be able to pay through paypal safely securely they will deliver them to your door it might take a day or two longer than amazon but you'll be supporting marvel and the comic book industry uh, the comic book companies in a major major way which will lead to better and brighter things for stories in the future that's that business taken care of. Hey, listen, we know we messed up the episodes. <laughs> last uh, last time we said the next episode would be Fantastic Four, two, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and then we had a scheduling problem, and then we, we knocked on a week, and here is this, the deeper dive into Loki. We wanted to get this episode to you nice and fresh before the series comes to an end so that we can um, get some of those answers and questions to people who've got very inquisitive minds about all the wonderful things happening in that show. So, but we haven't like cancelled Fantastic Four 2 Rise of the Silver Surfer. We are doing it in the next episode. It's another one of those films that's available on Disney Plus for you to watch along with us. And maybe you're sleeping on this episode, right? But this is going to be a chance, because Fantastic Four movies they didn't set the world on fire. So maybe you're not thinking too hot about it. This is going to be our chance to talk about Galactus and the Silver Surfer for the first time. Very exciting, very cool, very awesome stuff to dive into. One of, if not the most seminal and important stories in the history of Marvel Comics is the coming of Galactus. So... That's why it's a really big, awesome, important movie for us to cover. Um, we'll be doing that in the next episode. Thanks for listening to Marvel vs. Marvel. Please take the time to like us, rate us, subscribe to us, and hey, why not recommend us to a friend who loves Marvel? Don't forget you can join us for the next episode, Fantastic Four 2, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and you can find out all sorts of wonderful updates if you visit us on Twitter at Marvel Versus. Oh.